Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Our topic for today is timely, but it's also going to be just a little bit uncomfortable because we're going to sort of talk about elder abuse. And it comes in many forms, um, physical abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse, which I hadn't even thought of at all, and online scams, preying on people who are desperate for answers or for emotional support. Tifa, have you had many calls on this? We have. And the really sad part um, when it comes to dementia is that for sure, approximately one out of four of these situations is someone well known to the individual. Um, I mean, it's a family member who's primarily a caregiver in the situation. And it has a lot to do with a combination of that caregiver's lack of, um, it can be ignorance, but it can also be deliberate. And we're talking more about the cases of deliberate than we are here, the ones of ignorance. Ignorance, once we identify it, we can possibly do something about it. It's called education and training. But when it's deliberate, um, it's, it's really problematic. In British Columbia, where I'm sitting at the moment, uh, mm -hmm. there was a story on the news saying that incidents of physical abuse of seniors mm -hmm. had gone up tenfold since the COVID virus came into prominence. That breaks mm -hmm. your heart, but it's not just senior abuse. There's other abuse going on as well, but we're today talking about uh, senior abuse. So how can we as an outsider sort of recognize or try and get in tune with what's going on? What can, what can we do? We feel helpless. So step number one, I would say is let's look at the pieces of the puzzle because I would look for risk factors that, you know, I would be really wanting to look at the risk factors. So the first risk factor is what's been the relationship of these two people previously? Um, what's their background? Have they really gotten along really well before? Or is this either a first time because of this COVID they're having to spend time, they didn't spend time together now, they're having to spend time because dad's moved in or mom's had to move over because she can't be by herself. So she's had to move in with us um, or we had to move in with her because we lost our housing. I mean, there's all kinds of situations there, but have these two people actually been together before? Or is this a brand new getting together? And then the second is for each of them, what's their health status? What's going on for them? What else is happening? What's their mental health, their, their physical health? How are they? How's each of them doing? Do they have their own issues that might predispose them to some problems? So for instance, let's see if somebody has some substance issue abuse issues where they've tried to manage their life with some substances, and then I put another person with them that they've not been with or they have been with, but now I ramp it up a little bit, that history of abuse of substance in alone and of itself increases the risk of physical, emotional, or financial abuse of this other person. And then on top of that, we, we add in brain issues. So things like dementia, depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. Any kind of cognitive change in the person being cared for 
may precipitate a cognitive change in the carer. So, uh, so I'm anxious, but you haven't been around me that much, but now you're with me all the time. And I say, well, I don't understand. Why can't I go out? I don't understand why I can't go out. Add in a memory problem. And whereas before you used to just hang up the phone on me, now I don't go away and I get closer and I keep asking you and you basically grab me and shake me. Or as happened in a hospital, a woman living with dementia was in the hospital emergency room and she went into another human's room. And that human was aware that six feet is the boundary marker. This woman with dementia was seeking out another human being to help her. And she came closer and he shoved her back and she fell and she hit her head and died. Certainly not intentional, uh, fear-based. Fear-based. But that's a lot of what the abuse could be. Um, Again, you know, in that case, again, not intended, but an emotional reaction on the part of the other person that was extreme because they couldn't take it anymore. So is that where the emotional abuse might come in, where we've, we've been locked together? It's, it's difficult enough for husband, wife, family with kids. It's difficult enough for us to be sort of put into a box and told to stay there. But with somebody who has uh, dementia, and perhaps advanced dementia, um, it could be a real strain. Yeah. I mean, and the other risk is neglect. So if I'm not with you and I can't stand being with you, then I try to get away from you. And so locking you into a room could be considered abuse, but it's also neglect. And I would say, well, I go back to the idea, what have we asked the care folks to do in facilities? Lock people in their rooms almost, I mean, or try to keep them there. So this idea of abuse or neglect, I mean, that is high risk when we feel like the alternative is to let them go out. Well, let them go out. Oh, no. I mean, because right now we've got COVID. (laughs) Right. So, Joanne, have you seen any of this in in your years of of dealing with um, uh, dementia? Um, Yes, I, I have, both in assisted living and skilled care. And one of the things that strikes me the most, uh, Tifa always talks about the one piece of that puzzle that people forget is a monitoring system or some kind of safety net um, that is never put into place with someone with dementia because there are so many issues with them feeling confined and they become desperate. And so the way we treat them and the way we set up systems and their environment, are they in danger? So, yeah, there's been a lot of that. One of the newest ones is is something that has just developed in, in the past few years. Online didn't exist years ago. So now we have online scams where people target seniors specifically, phone calls targeting seniors specifically. How do that's a form of abuse. How can we protect our, our loved ones? Well, here's the even, I mean, Greg, this was, and I was I was was I surprised? I'm not sure. One of the risky things is even if the person figures out they've been scammed, now they're embarrassed that they got scammed and they're even less likely to report it when Mm. it happens again. Mm. So their fear of being caught incompetent, in other words, being identified as possibly having cognitive changes, puts them at even higher risk for putting up with scams, emotional abuse, financial abuse, 
and physical abuse because then people think less of them for putting up with it. And so they get trapped into a cycle. And that's, ay, ay, ay. So this scam stuff, one of the problems that we run into is scammers are better than often family or professionals at recognizing how to get the door open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how to yeah. build a relationship of, of trust. They're really good at it. I mean, they notice the cues that somebody might not be as sharp and quick. So I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and demonstrate it. Ring-a-ling-ling, Joanne. Um, ring-a-ling-ling. Hello. Miss Westbrook? Yes. Hi. I'm Tipa Snow, and I'm calling from your bank. Oh. There has been a charge of $2,757. Oh, my God. No. Your account. And I know that's not usual for you. No. Are you sure? Everything you do is less than like $500. So did you you write a check to someone for over $2,000? I don't remember doing that. You have your checkbook with you. Um, I can get it. Get yeah. it. You would get it because we want. I want to. I want you to look. Okay, I'm looking. So you don't. Do you see anything in your register where you wrote down that check information? No, I don't. Okay. Well, let me make sure that. Give me your account number. Um. Uh, and you. You said you're at the bank. Absolutely. I just want to confirm that, that indeed, this is your, this is the, that they got the right, because I didn't actually, we don't have the check. It was just taken out of your account. Oh, so you just need to know my numbers and then you Yeah, I just want to double check that, so if Joanne's bright, quote unquote, or if she doesn't have cognitive impairment, was I pretty good though, Joanne? Oh, that was incredible. Yeah, you really (laughs) would scare Several people I know that have dementia, you would. would. Could I get you to give me the number? I would, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, could you? Could I then go, okay, so now that is your account number. I don't know. Well, is your password Frank or something else? Um, no, no, it's the name of my cat. Oh, the name of your cat. Okay, yeah. well, I'm thinking it isn't Blinky. No. <laughs> Oh, I've, I've got a feeling you name cats interesting things. <laughs> yeah, um, socks. Is, with is an a, X or with a CK? It's a CK, like, you know, he has little white uh, paws. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. S-O-C-K-S? That's right. That's right. Now, is, do, you, do you capitalize your, your cat's name or keep it lowercase? It's all lowercase. Are you going to call me back and let me know? I will. I promise I will call you back. I appreciate all this. This will really help me. Oh, thank you so much. So how can we help seniors protect themselves from this type of a situation? Or is this something where we have to try and step in and intervene? How, how do we do this? Yeah, wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, each human being who was developing dementia had a partner who really was uh, a partner that was identified as a legal partner who could, in fact, you know what, let's put the vast majority of your funds in an account that you will, you'll have me with 
And so it would be a, you have to have me sign off on it and give you some money in your little spending account that if you want to spend that money, you, you could do that, but that your funds will be kept safe in case somebody gets in there because people are really, really sneaky. Yeah, that's great. That's perfect. That's, that's what we did. It's a good idea. Well, I mean, and that's where, what if the wrong person does that? Well, then we're in trouble. And that's where I would advocate, gosh, we've got to get good at realizing there are people out there that aren't and speak up for those who don't have. So health providers need to get a lot more proactive in the financial world, I think. And we're not. Right. We're we're sort of a nuclear society now, uh, Tipa. Okay. I'm living in California. You're living in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. How can I possibly sort of keep an eye on you and know that you're being cared for okay. properly? Yeah, and so it's real easy for us to, you know, basically mm-hmm. assume no responsibility. But actually looking at this stuff and saying, hey, Greg, if something were to ever happen and you would become vulnerable, who in your life would you trust? to manage stuff so that nothing got taken from you or done to you against your will. So some pre-planning is obvious. That, a uh, thing that people don't want to look at when mm-hmm. they could look at it. And then when they're forced to look at it, usually it's too little too late. And the, the bank has been robbed. The person has been abused. Um, the situation is dire. And now we're trying to correct that which... Oh, there's no winners in this one. Tipa, Joanne, it's been an interesting topic of discussion today. If people want more information on a whole range of topics, Tipa, you've been hard at work, not only putting your classes online, but developing new programs. How can people get more information? Yeah, we have a number of opportunities. One is they can, you know, do recorded stuff, which we have a, a fair amount of, including these podcasts from the past, uh, as well as the new ones. We also have um, lots of things on YouTube, but we're also starting up something brand new, which is family care partner um, sessions that are skill builder sessions. And they're about two hours and we're having a a real special right now on them. And it's two hours right now with me, but they'll also potentially be with some of our very skilled mentors so that we identify what are the skills that people need to do a better job and to prepare ourselves for what might lay ahead. Tipa, if I'm not comfortable in a group setting, can I phone somebody? Can I go online and talk to somebody directly? Yeah, we have a free half hour consult um, that we offer to anyone because people do get in situations and sometimes talking it through one-on-one and saying, I'm afraid of what I'm going to do. Oh, I've had people actually say that to me. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt her. It's like, tell me more about that because we don't use judgment. We talk about, tell me more about that because you have to be able to say where you are without a fear that someone's going to immediately think you're a bad person. Tipa, thank you very much. If people want more information, again, the website is available at? www.tipasnow.com. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you.